there are a hundred different ways of getting to your destination. It brings us it brings us to the next chapter when you when you write imperfect employees. And there is little I find more depressing in life than witnessing the search for new talent while ignoring the potential of those that surround us. Yeah. And with this you you said it already. You already said it before and but I will continue to read for me, when when I read this, it's it's always already a confirmation of what you told before, and it's also an eye opener. So it's looking at what you got, mm -hmm. and 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 making the best out of it, and 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 creating mm -hmm. and developing it to be the mm -hmm. best it can be. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but I continue first. Okay. When someone drove a truck into the back of my car. What once was a perfect piece of German design and engineering was no more. Although the garage said that they can make it as good as new, I knew that it never would be. When one puts this in the context of imperfection in general, and in employees in particular, one understands the value of knowing how to handle the imperfect employees and see beyond their imperfections. When someone carefully selected joins the team, they are always perfect until they inevitably slip up. It can be an extremely minor thing, possibly missing a non-urgent milestone or sending an email to the wrong person. Even if you are completely unaware of their error, you can be sure that others will be very quick to point, point it out. You'll never guess what the new guy just done. The best football managers sometimes stick with what might at first appear to be very bad signings, keeping the player on the pitch long after many others would have dropped them. Manchester United's manager Sir Alex Ferguson is a good example of this technique. If he believes in someone, he gives them plenty of room for error and somehow manages to reassure their teammates to support them through what can be a very long settling in period. So, Harley, is there a method to perfect imperfect employees? And what essential like elements, tools or resources you think are are necessary for an inspirational leader to to achieve that? 
Well, yes and yes and no. Meaning, take my football analogy. The football manager has two choices. To get an imperfect footballer or an employee and bring him into the team and focus on the team until the team completely accept them. Accept that new person. And when that new person's totally accepted, in the shower room, on the side, when they're going, the lads are going out on Saturday night, they're taking and inviting the new person with them and they're really fully integrated into the team. Then, if that perfect player, that new one, is perfect, imagine how amazing it is in the team. The biggest problem with talent is getting that talent into the team and keeping it there. So um, the point I'm really trying to make is the two options you have to bring this perfect person in and hope that somehow it will enhance the team or to bring this person in and focus on the team to make sure whoever you bring in is fully integrated is a really, really important thing. And then, of course, there is no perfect employee. Everyone has their weaknesses. Everyone has their off days. Everyone has them, their, their strengths and weaknesses. And that's part of the team. That's part of, that's part of life. And, and teams compensate for that. You know, I'm always forgetting people's names and people who are sitting near the front will say, oh, Harley, it's, you know, they'll, they'll prompt me and then even they'll start laughing about it in the end because I would have forgotten someone's name or whatever. So it's that team, instead of, pointing the finger, just embrace a, a, a failing or a weakness and then work together to make it work is, is, is the result because there obviously is no perfect employee. What you can do in the beginning is do everything you can to make the nervous employee, the employee who's thinking, oh my goodness, I'm coming into this and they're such great stylists and they've got such a high reputation. I don't know whether I can do this. Getting their confidence levels up to an acceptable level and making sure that their team, the existing team, gives them the space to fail and to make mistakes or whatever, and don't overbig them. Oh, this person is great. You see this. Oh, my goodness. So many bosses, so many employers say, I found this the most amazing style. It's going to be great for our, 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 our group, our shop or whatever. And they've got this and they've got that and they've done this and they've done that. And how does it make us, the team, feel jealous? Yes. Oh, wow. Gosh, and that's the that's the new the you know that's the, the 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 golden child now, and this person will get promoted at Christmas, and this person will get this, and if they make a mistake, then nothing bad will happen to them. So the integration of talent into the team is as important, if not more important, than the talent itself. Is there a certain way to restrict or or work with the resistance? in the existing team to accept the new team member? Well, yes, there is, because first of all, you're going to anticipate that whoever you bring in, there will be resistance. There will be. So first of all, you anticipate yeah. there will be resistance from whom? How will, it be, how will it be demonstrated? What signs do I need to look out for? Why would there be resistance? What are the team's concerns? And often, you know, the answer is involving the team in the selection process bringing them in, you know, in yeah. a rock band, it isn't the best drummer that gets the job. It's the drummer that can feels part of the team and the team feels part of it and they will adapt with the team. 
if team is important in your business, then fine. If it's not important and you think, okay, I can manage this with, with a, 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 a star team, you know, was, what is that term? You have a, star, a, a, a team of stars or a star team. If, you're, if, you're, yeah. if your salon yeah. can work with five great stylists, five stars, or whether it needs a star team. team yeah, it, it's a different... Yeah, there's a totally big different meaning. But you have to decide uh, yeah. what you want. Yeah. yeah, If you want to go, if you want to go far, you need a star team. Voila. I always believe it. Yeah. Give me a star team yeah. every day yeah. than a team of stars. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That, that's, that's the right approach. And you need, you need it also because when we continue to your next chapter, it's going to be clear. And... Um, I will read it first. You're right, Arlie. How much damage can one customer do? We need to live our company's mottos. If they are proven to be false, then so are we. A company's image is potentially far more fragile today than it has ever been. With the power of global communications in the hands of anyone with access to the internet, even the reputations of the bastions of industry and commerce can come tumbling down with the heat of the send button, if the story is powerful enough. It does not even have to be true. It just needs to be plausible. There have been Many famous cases in the recent past, but probably none more so than that of Dave Carroll, a customer of United Airlines. He had his handmade tailor guitar broken while in transit in the USA. After a year of trying to obtain some kind of compensation, he finally gave up and took the issue into his own hands by making an entertaining video and posting it on YouTube. A few days and 8 million hits later, the story had been covered by all the world's top news, agencies and United Airlines had to engage in a massive, unwelcome and unexpected PR campaign. In the meantime, both Dave Carroll and Taylor Guitars moved from obscurity to worldwide brand. Yep. So what went wrong? Who was to blame? And what is the role of leadership in this scenario? Is it a well-known fact that the general public has a macabre fascination with witnessing big brands taking a knocking? The problem usually arises when a company's PR and marketing slogans are seen to be insincere and out of step with reality. It only takes one customer such as Dave Carroll and an inattentive customer care department and whole strategies come under attack. Yeah. And it brings us to not fulfilling the expectation of a client. The promise you make as a brand can create a disappointing experience and it happens to the best brands out there. Harley, what is left when it inevitably happens? 
honesty, um, forgiveness, uh, apologies. I mean, we see it all the time in the political world that a wrong decision is taken. Someone has ignored somebody when they shouldn't have done. And the moment that someone sincerely says, I'm deeply, deeply sorry for the mess, the mess we've made of this. This isn't what I set up my business to do. This isn't the values on which I built the business and the team. And we're all upset about it. And we would like to somehow put it right to our best of our ability. The honesty and sincerity of apologizing, admitting that you're human and you've made a mistake, and standing up for the people who made a mistake in the sense that if there's someone in the customer service department saying, I'm really sorry, that customer service department, you know, they did what we told them to do. They answered in time, they met all our needs, but our needs were wrong. The, the, the principle by which we were employing them and the one judging them and rewarding them is wrong. And we've got to fix it. There's issues that we've got to fix, not only the way we handle our customers' luggage, but also the way that we respond and also the basis upon which we respond. You know, for a top CEO to stand up and say that, and I will make it my duty to ensure that this gets fixed. And if I need to step down, I will step down, but not until I've fixed it. And that wins a lot of respect. You often see people just stepping down and running away and saying, well, they're going to throw it. No, but stand around and fix it now, man, and be, be measured by that. I think that strong leadership, that inspirational leader will say, I'm going to, I want to be there and I want to fix it and I want to put this right. And if you're sincere and if you're honest, it will be fine. Yeah, and because this will happen to you, you know, somebody will say to somebody, you should go to that salon. It's amazing the way they cut your hair and it's incredible. And you go in there and you get champagne and there's this and that. And then the person goes in. It's a, a bad day. There is no champagne. There is no this. And someone cut, makes a mistake in cutting their hair. And, you know, everything is dashed and it's a disaster. They go off and say, wow, you said it was good, but it was rubbish. And I'm never going back there. And then they go, wow, you know, you've got a whole heat of emotions there. But what do you do as a person? You just have to react. I'm so sorry this didn't work out. I'd like to meet you and to sit with you and to see how we can fix it and how we can ensure this doesn't happen again. Maybe you'll never come back to us, but at least to help us improve the, the, the performance for other customers. It's, it's the art of apology. Yeah, it's the yeah. art of being sincere. Of being a bit, sincere, again, yeah. Change management, you know, in my book, The Change Manager's Handbook, I really talk about this a lot. It's about putting yourself into the eyes and heart and emotion of the people who are upset, yes. who are resisting change or are upset with what's happened or whatever. Understand it, see it from their perspective, and then you'll come up with a strategy. You know when people are being insincere to you. And that's, that's what you've got to obviously avoid. It makes business sense, but it makes good human and emotional sense. And your employees will say, wow, you know, the, the boss really stood up when, and, 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 and took it on the chest and dealt with it. And, and, um... Is it then a task that has to be done really by the leader himself? 
not necessarily or, or preferably well, well not necessarily no, not especially necessarily. not yeah. in big big no. organizations okay. not necessarily it's just that we you know but if someone is standing a spokesperson said look you know we united airlines we really got this wrong we we, we thought we, we we understood it but but the processes were wrong and this was wrong it can be reinforced by the leader Sometimes it's good not to have the leader do it just yet because sometimes they come across. There was a very famous case where BP had a, a terrible oil leak. Yes, some several years ago. And they had the best CEO they'd had in decades. And this CEO had really taken them to a really good place and was the business was doing really well. But they were away that weekend, it happened, and they heard about it and they were in a different time zone. And when they responded... It was very analytical. It was very cold. It wasn't sorry. It wasn't an emotional thing. And it just came over completely wrong. And that cost him his job. And then he had to be, he had to step down and an American CEO was appointed to take over and to reassure and everything. And yet that was one of the best CEOs they've ever had. So sometimes you've got to look and see is, who is the best person at this moment in time until, they, until the boss is fully briefed. Maybe let someone else do it first. And if that doesn't work, you've still got the boss to step in and say, well, I just want to support Jenny here with that, her message and support her. But really, when push comes to shove, it's down to me. I'm the CEO and I'm very sorry for the way this has gone. And bang, you have a second opportunity. But if you start with the CEO and the CEO gets it wrong, there's no second opportunity. No, correct. So no. yeah, you've got to get the balance right. Yes. Best person for the job. It seems to me, Harley, that in very big corporations, there is, and it's obvious, there is a script written for such. Well, no, no I don't agree. No? No. There probably is a script somewhere, but people don't, when they're on their, in their hotel room on holiday in Malibu and the things happen on the other side of the world, they haven't got their script. And if you read a script, it never comes true. No. It never comes true. I'm just saying that the person who's making the coffee, the junior in the office, who first sees the angry customer coming back in and says, I'm so sorry what's happened. Let me make you a coffee. Can do more to fix the situation yeah. than the yeah. boss can. Because they can see that the culture of that company is represented by the slogan. And, yes. and if you're person who's serving the coffee is representing the company's values and slogan, which is what this is about, you don't have a problem. It's just that, oh, when your staff is saying, yeah, that's just a slogan, that's just nonsense, no one ever, no one ever lives that, then you have a problem. Yes. You don't, you don't, you don't keep the promise you made. If your company's yeah. slogan is, we don't give a damn because we're cheap, you know, that would fit perfectly for some companies. We don't give a damn because we're cheap. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and if that works, then it's honest. Yes, it's right? honest, yeah. But if you say, we care, then you damn well better make sure that you do that, care that all you the do way care. along, 24-7. Yes, correct. And that the, all of your yeah. coaching and training is about we care. You think it's an idea to, to develop a script around so you can teach people effectively to do it? Or is it better to have it already embedded in your culture it's and of, then it comes like... Automatically, Naturally, automatically, absolutely. like absolutely, yeah, yeah, because then it's 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 sincere. You can't teach yeah. this stuff. No, you can't teach it. You can give trainings about safety and about these things, but yes. you and you got to give ex, you can give trainings that give examples about how you care or whatever, yeah. but you can't you can't you can't train people to be sound sincere. You can have PR and media coaching. I mean, a good actor. Yeah 
can act insincere or sincere, and you would never know the difference if they're a really good actor. Of course. Um, but we're not talking about acting here. No. We're talking no. about living the value yeah. of the business. The business, yeah. So, and then we continue. And you write, after a fall, a team that pulls itself out of trouble is far stronger than one that is shown the way. When you have been to the bottom of bad luck in business, when you have seen those around you become blank with the fear of uncertainty, you know how futile it is to go around reassuring people that everything will be all right. The best one can do is to focus on the positive points and try to keep the general debate on maintaining an open mind and as positive an, an attitude as possible in the circumstances. However, when the first signs of hope re-enters the team, it is important to nurture it and not let it get trampled on by defeatists. One of the secrets of cultivating recovery is to recognize its first shoot. A sure sign can be when you hear people make comments like, what the heck, it's worth a try. What have we got to lose? When you hear these things, then you stand a good chance of survival. Yeah. Even though the first ideas are often badly thought through, people soon gather around to watch what is happening and in doing so begin to offer help and make suggestions. Although not always very welcome. This is often the turning point and is accompanied by a detectable rise in optimism and energy in the team. With continued nurturing and support, even if the first thoughts end in failure, the new adaptations can often be both surprising and profitable. What's important here is that it was their idea and not yours. And they will work and work in order to show you that they have a worth, that they have a vision, an idea, and a possible way forward. What more can a leader ask for in a team? After all, it is better to have tried and fail than never to have tried at all. Do you think do you think Harley that a team needs to go through some serious trouble in order to become and develop in a strong team? Well, let's not be unrealistic. I mean, we would never want a team to deliberately go through trouble. No. I mean, and no, no, I mean, no, no leader no. in their right mind would no. deliberately. I mean, sometimes they they do these things in what they call you know these these uh, team team motivation events and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah, that keen on team building. On to be a team building. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah, goodness, yeah, mate! Yeah, yeah, even yeah. the name just yeah, scares me sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean nobody wants to deliberately let some failure happen. On the other hand, we know if a team is successful it will fail. I mean, at some point, yes. there will be failures. Yeah. There will be things that go wrong. And again, it's been the whole theme today, hasn't yes. it? You know, about making space for people to make mistakes and, and to help them to see that the team together can, 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 pull, can pull it through. 
And a team that hasn't, that's always known success, is a team that's born to fail. And then the question is, how on earth will you pull that through? And that's where inspirational leadership comes in. And I remember once giving a speech to a group of people saying, listen, you guys, and I, there was women there and men, of course, you know, you guys are really, uh, each one of you have been handpicked for this organization. You've been handpicked because you, we believe in you. You, you were great. You, you, you stood out above the others who came for their interviews. You know, I believe you that together there's nothing that you guys can't do. And I strongly believe that you can turn this thing around and, and we can together as a team fix this. How? I have no clue. But, you know, I trust you to at least to have, give it your best shot and I'll come back in an hour and see what you've got. And then you walk off and, and, let them, and let them give them the space because it's really, really important that they start to, to believe they can do it and understand why they're in the room. You know. That's also wh where you, you focus on is that it, it's them. Yeah. Them doing it. Yeah. Especially if, you know, especially it is important because your job is to face the press. Your job is to face the shareholders. Your job is to face the customer. Your job is to go with the salesperson, meet the customer, meet the supplier, whatever. And let the team, you know, under your leadership, it went wrong. So maybe make some space to see how they can put it right. Yes. And, and, and it's what happens all through our lives. Huh? That's we'll adapt. That's, you just, that's really don't, you just don't want to take over at the time when, you know. No. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it, there's, you know, you can't prescribe too much for any given situation, but the team, no. if your business needs a team, you've got to let the team be a team in solving the problems in the bad times as well. So, and now we're flowing to, to the next chapter, which is also the last chapter of this third key element, adaptability. And you wrote just how important are you really? Remembering that we will not be around forever should not depress us, but help us select our current priorities better. So, and I read what you wrote. It's once, I once heard it said that the ultimate measure of an important person is that when they die, their passing has an identifiable impact on the financial stock market. Perhaps if you are really important, your death might even influence the exchange rate of a national currency or the global economy, and yet the graveyard is full of irreplaceable people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you find yourself in the frame of mind where you think you are momentarily irreplaceable, don't kid yourself. I've seen too many irreplaceable people pass away only to witness just how quickly the world they left behind gets back to business again. Almost as if they were never there. For most of us, we can only aspire to become a name on a plaque 
or a picture on a wall in a company library or corridor. Facing our own lack of importance need not be depressing. It simply reminds us that we are not alone on this planet and that, by and large, we choose to spend our time the way we do. We simply need to decide if what we are doing is fun and whether we have the balance right between the things that matter to us and those that matter to others. After all, none of us can be sure how long it will be until tomorrow becomes today. In the meantime, my personal motto is be sure always to live each and every day to the full. So, I would like to go back a little, a, a little, a little bit for, uh, earlier in the text where we, where we, where you write, um, we simply need to decide if what we are doing is fun and whether we have the balance right between the things that matter to us and those that matter to others. I once heard a famous uh, coach say there is no such thing as life-work balance. There is only life-work choice. And you make it or you don't and there is consequence. And at the same time I can, I can feel from the previous chapter that and it says it's all how you have to know yourself to be able to step back. So it's... Yeah, it's like all these expressions uh, life, work, balance and, and things like that, they're all very well-meaning and it's, I would never suggest to someone that that's not an important expression because we need balance. Yes. We need balance, like we said earlier, that when the, the leader becomes very successful, they start believing in their own success and they become egotists and things start going horribly wrong. We need balance uh, because your family life, the private life uh, are, are there. You chose for them, uh, as the second person quoted, the coach quoted, and, and you've got to decide whether they're an important part of your life. But the work-life balance and, and, and what we're trying to talk about here and, and the fact that we're all replaceable is a little bit more fundamental, meaning, God forbid, if any, either one of us got hit by a beer truck, you know, you, you think, okay, the business is finished, but no, very quickly, someone in the business will step up, step in and say, oh, look, you know, isn't it terrible? Esmail's gone and, oh, it's very sad. Yes, yes, yes. But there's hair that needs to be cut. And the junior will step in and, and be calm and in control. You never, and then the next thing you know, the customer leaves, you know, yeah. happy. Happy, yeah. And they come back again. So yeah. actually, you know, we've we got to be very careful that our egos that we talked about in the first one in yes. confidence yes. aren't... aren't taking us down the wrong route. We're yes. all replaceable. And I remember working in the, in the firm Bayer, you know, very humbled by, you know, with the Otto Bayer and all these fantastic people who set up the company and, you know, 38,000 employees and goodness knows what else. And walking into the building and you see all the, the portraits of the great leaders of the past, but the average employee never knows who they are, what they representative, what they did, you know, it, it, it really makes no difference. They've got five emails to write and they've got to get eat their lunch and then they've got to go out and, and, and to see an angry customer or something. You know, so actually we're all replaceable and the legacy we leave behind is very, very important. But we've got to make sure that we don't create an instructure 
that cannot survive without us, or even begin to think that because that's a very dangerous thing because it means you haven't got a team. It's about me and I then, and it's not a team. And for your bank as well. I mean, for bank, for your people lending your money, your customers, your suppliers, everybody's got to see that actually this is bigger than the sum of its parts. It's a very, very important element. And a little bit of humility with a, is a, you'll find in every true inspirational leader that they have this element of humility about them. That comes naturally, I think, isn't it? In an inspirational leader, yes, yeah. but in yeah. a poor leader or a manager, yeah. uh, I, I don't know how much humility I had when I was 21, 25, even 35, to be okay. honest with you. Yeah. It's something yeah. I've struggled with all my life, okay. trying to get that balance right yes. and giving other people the space. Yeah. I found it much easier after the age of 40, to be honest. Yeah. You know, so I, it's, it's maturity, maturity. Yeah, and... And experience. Yeah, but it would be nice if it came earlier. And I try yeah. and coach, you know, 22-year-olds now to, to, to learn and develop these skills mm. and by teaching them how to ask the right question and how to listen to the answer. And that actually, as a byproduct, gives you what we call humility, to be honest. Yes, it's a byproduct. It's back to the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Harley, what are your daily practices to live each and every day to the full? Well, um, if I may be free, so free to ask. Yeah, no, absolutely. I like to make the most of every moment of every day. I mean, it's absolutely true. I think, again, it's work-life balance. Uh, I don't mind using that term. I say for myself, okay, I've done something now, so I'm going to listen to a little bit of music for five minutes, and I listen to a bit of music. Um, I try and always understand if I have an interaction with another human um, What is that interaction about? Did that interaction end with them walking away feeling, oh, I think we've achieved something or I've got something or I've been helped? Uh, that's very, very important for me because actually what is life all about? I mean, most people become unhappy when they realize that they're no longer useful, that they don't, uh, that, that if they disappeared from society, no one would notice and they've never made a difference. I think we all deep down want to make a difference. Um, one way or another. Um, so for me, living life to the full is in making sure that I'm enjoying and putting my energy and passion into whatever it is I'm doing, whether it's driving a car, whether it's doing the washing up or whether it's cleaning the kitchen or whether it's cooking a meal, which I very, very rarely do. It's something that's one of the things I, I should improve on. But wh whatever interaction I have, even listening to music, just focusing and concentrating on whatever it is. So Yeah, I, I've always got so much to do. And at the end of the day, I'm always disappointed that I haven't quite got as much done as I'd like. Um, so yeah, absolutely, that's what I, I, I try and do. And that's part of my, my the change at the end of the year when I step down as managing partner with the Bio Partnership and become a humble partner and start to go my own way and leave the legacy to the next generation, which I'm sure will do a great job and take it hopefully further than Uh, I've even ever imagined. And I believe that it will happen. I really believe in them. They're a great bunch of people. That's truly adaptability. Yeah, yeah. adapting to in myself. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we came to an end from this um, third key element in your book. I would like to thank you, Harley, for this interview, for this talk. And uh, so, dear listeners, we came to an end for this incredible enlightening episode with Harley Lovegrove. I would say stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about intellectual curiosity. 
Thank you, Harley, for sharing these insights with us. You're very, very welcome. Thank you very Thank much. You. If you like to support the work we do, subscribe to the Esmos World podcast through Apple Podcasts, leave a comment, share with your friends and colleagues, and see you around. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.